That is amazing. What would the buzz be in this, in this room right now if earlier this morning or late last night we all got calls from Discover, American Express, Visa, MasterCard, um, Quick Mortgage or whatever, Rocket Mortgage, um, Home Tree. And we all got calls from these folks and everybody had the same message. Canceled, canceled, canceled. Somebody paid your credit card off. Somebody paid your mortgage off. All of us got those calls and it, and it was verifiable. What would the buzz be here this morning? Would, would anybody be talking about it? Would anybody saying, did you guys, we got this call. We got like four calls. We got 18 calls. What, you know, whatever. We'd be talking about it. We'd be excited about it. And that would be nothing compared to what God has done for us in Christ. Nothing. We need to have some buzz. We need to have some enthusiasm. We need to forget about the pandemic. We need to forget about the, all the trouble that we're going through. And we need to remember we've got something going for us, folks. Because of what God has done for us in Christ. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. We're not forgetting about 2 Thessalonians. But we're um, going to highlight one of the things that we've already talked about in, that, in the beginning of that letter this morning. Uh, because of the day that it is of the year, February 14th, Ephesians chapter 5. Let's bow for prayer as we turn. Heavenly Father, what a blessing for your mercy to be more. What a blessing for your grace to be sufficient for us. that the wages that we deserve to be paid because of your truth that the wages of sin is death, that our wages have been paid to Jesus. And that in turn, he has given us a gift of forgiveness of sins and of eternal life. Father, we pray that that message would ring true to us this morning, that it would ring true to all who are listening who have not yet received Christ, that it would ring true to our, our senior high youth on their, on their retreat this week, this weekend. That that message would ring true to all of us. And that we would look at the love that you have allowed us to share together to point us, to remind us, to emphasize to us the great love that you have for us, the great opportunity that we have for a relationship with you. Thank you so much. And we pray that you would open our eyes so that we can see your truth and understand your truth, and that you'd be glorified with the result, not just by our understanding, but by our doing what we understand. In Jesus' name. Amen. 5.22, Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also Wives should submit to their husbands in everything. 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. It's a picture. That's what makes it so important. Marriage. It's a picture. That's the most important thing about it. The marriage of a man and a woman, according to God's design and creation, You notice the Apostle Paul was quoting from Genesis chapter 2. This is all, it all goes back to God making Adam and then making Eve, the first man, the first woman, designing marriage for those two and then for that to continue on through all generations, even up until today. A man marrying a woman to create a work of art, a masterpiece, a reminder of what real life, of what real love is about. Now, we've trampled that underfoot. We weren't the first culture to do that. It's been happening for a long time. But we've joined in. But we need to understand, as we celebrate love this morning, as we celebrate marriage this morning, as we, as we celebrate romance this morning, we need to understand that the most important part of all of it is that it's a picture of what God has done for us and how we can know Almighty God. The most important thing in life That's what marriage, that's what his love for a man and a woman and a woman for a man is all about. And so, wherever we are this morning, wherever we are in relationships this morning, this message is for us because marriage is for all of us. It's not just for the married. It's a picture for all of us. It's a picture of the most wonderful relationship that's ever been given. The relationship of a sinful person with a holy, almighty God. And every marriage is designed 
to remind us of that. It doesn't mean that we all live up to that, but that's why it's designed. I'll never forget one of the most glaring moments of of my failure to live up to that in marriage was probably around almost 20 years ago. Sherry and I were having a discussion in the kitchen. The type of discussion that aroused my 10-year-old daughter upstairs. And, and, you know, think of the dynamics. You know, I'm relatively soft-spoken, and Sherry, you know, has that booming voice. So imagine what, she, what Rebecca probably heard up in the uh, upstairs reaches. Um, we heard this thunder coming down the stairs, and, of course, we straightened up. And she came sliding, sock-footed, sliding across the kitchen floor between us with hands up, said, stop it. This is how divorces happen. (laughs) I did that to my daughter. Because she'd been in homes where she heard those same kinds of things happening, and the next thing you know, oh, my mom and dad are splitting up. She heard that. She's seen that. She heard it, and she was afraid. And I was able to give her some confidence by saying, Rebecca, you are right. The way me and your mom are talking to each other right now is not right. But I want you to know that it doesn't mean that we're going to get a divorce. And then I explained why. Not because Sherry and I were so good, but because of whose we are. And I explained to her, I said, Rebecca, every time I say something, I might have used the S word, every time I say something stupid to your mom, which I've done before today, and I've done it again today, Every time I do that, do you know what your mom does? She forgives me. Do you know why she forgives me? Because she's been forgiven so much by Jesus Christ. That's how she can forgive me of doing the mean things that I, that I do and say to her. And do you know every time, which never happens, but every time that your mom does something mean or ugly to me, Do you know how I'm able to forgive her and why I forgive her? Because Jesus has forgiven me of a lot worse stuff than she's ever done against me. And so you can be be assured that we're not going to get a divorce because of this argument that we just had today. None of us are perfect husbands and wives. None of us have perfect marriages. And whether they're our first marriage, second marriage, third marriage, none of us do it right all the time. But nonetheless, our marriages are still the best picture, the best statement 
that God has to show this world and to show the church and to show this church what his love looks like and what our relationship and how, and how possible our relationship with him is. There's no greater picture. So young people who haven't embarked on marriage yet, remember that. When the world tells you that all this romantic and erotic love is just fine regardless of whether you're married to the person or, or any of those kind of things, remember, don't believe that. It's a lie. That ex- those expressions of love are reserved for this relationship that is the picture that God has designed it for. The only relationship that, that, is, that is allowed to, to involve those expressions of love. The only one. Don't believe the lie of this society that every time you think somebody's kind of cute that you ought to have some kind of sexual relationship with them. Don't believe that. It's a lie. The sexual relationship that was even de- demonstrated a little bit there in the Song of Songs, that section that we read. And that was really basically the only PG section of that whole um, Song of Songs. Because that is a story of romantic love that pictures God's love for his people and his people's love for God. In very, very vivid terms. Showing us that that type of relationship is reserved, that type of intimacy is reserved for husbands and wives. And only that relationship. Don't let anybody else lie to you about that. Even to the point of, of what you allow just to even go into your mind, your eyes and your, and your brain about those kinds of relationships. Don't believe the lie that there's a, that there's a harmless um, sin of lust. Remember what Jesus said about that. In the Sermon on the Mount, one of his most famous sermons in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He said, you've heard it, it said, do not commit adultery. He said, I tell you, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Guard your eyes, guard your mind. Because even that spoils the picture. It spoils our ability to live up to the picture. To create the masterpiece that God has has given us the opportunity to present and to watch. Remember, all of us aren't involved in in marriage personally, but we're all indirectly related to marriages that are supposed to be encouraging each of us in our walk with Christ. The marriages that we know, first of all, that we experience, but also that we know, those marriages are supposed to be reminding us of what a great, great God we have that loves us so much that gave us his son the Lord Jesus Christ who is the head over us he's our Lord and master he's the one who shares his love by sharing wisdom and truth with us and every marriage is supposed to have that element to it that shows that loving husband who loves his wife more than he loves himself. That's the truth. That's what we, we read that. 
You saw that. That's the standard that we have, men. Loving someone else more than we love ourselves, just like Jesus demonstrated for us on the cross. There's our standard. And that love that we see a man having for his wife in our relationships is supposed to remind us of God's great love for us. It's supposed to encourage us. It's supposed to remind us of the anchor that we have, the foundation that we have, the hope that we have. And to see a wife respect and submit herself to her husband is a reminder of the wonderful relationship, the wonderful opportunity of relationship that we have with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. Now, there are no, again, no perfect paintings. Even masterpieces have their flaws. The critics can find those flaws. All of our marriages have those flaws. But when we remember the basics, when we remember these two ideas that are supposed to be interchanging in our marriages, they remind us, keep on going. Keep on going. If our marriage is supposed to be a picture of our relationship with Almighty God, then one thing we know, that God is faithful. And that he, he, was, he was patient with Israel. He's patient with his church. And we as husbands and wives need to be patient with each other, forgiving each other, as I, demonstra- as I mentioned in the demonstration that Sherry and I were, you know, unfortunately having to give to Rebecca that day. Although... Even in that, I see the promise of God that all things work together for those who love God. They work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. It wasn't a great thing that Sherry and I were having that argument. It was a great thing that we were able to teach her a very important principle of marriage and more importantly than of marriage, of life in Christ. Because we don't stop loving God and we don't stop our relationship with God because we sin. We confess our sins, and 1 John 1, 9 tells us this so clearly. We confess our sins, and he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what God does. That's what we do. And that's one of the pictures, one of the parts of the pictures that we're painting to our church, to our family, to our community, that we don't give up on each other. We get through the tough stuff Because of whose we are. Not just that we're each other's, but because we're God's. We belong to him. Oh, there are times, and the the scripture is clear, there are times when when that marriage has to be dissolved. There are times when, when divorce happens. But that doesn't stop the picture that God has painted in marriage. It doesn't, because, because this marriage failed, doesn't mean that the rest of these marriages aren't important to continue demonstrating God's great plan for life. God's great plan for forgiveness. God's great plan for eternal life. All demonstrated in marriage. It means the rest of us just keep on going and doing that and trusting that the person that, and the couple that had, the, that had their marriage fail, they continue on also figuring out, watching marriage maybe marrying again and, 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 and trusting God to, to use them to paint this picture again, we continue on because that's what God has done for us. 
That's his faithfulness. That's his patience. That's his long-suffering that he wants us then to share with each other in relationship. Some of us might look around in a room like this and think, well, they have a perfect marriage. And anybody who thinks that about any marriage in this room is wacky. And so if, if you have been trying to demonstrate and, and trick the rest of the community um, into thinking that you have a perfect marriage, I hate to burst your bubble. We already know. You don't. But that truth doesn't change the facts. We still have the opportunity. The most wonderful opportunity because there's no other place in Scripture that, that shows another relationship that paints the ultimate relationship like marriage does. And so, based on that, let's remember how important this relationship is and protect it and preserve it and grow it and salvage it, restore it, and use it for God's glory. And it involves all of that. Every marriage involves all of that. I remember um, listening to a, a counselor sharing in a, in a marriage retreat. He was introducing himself and his wife. He said, he said his, his name was Bill and his wife's name was Jean. He said, Jean and I have been happily married for 25 years. And we just celebrated our 35th anniversary. <laughs> That's reality. Every moment of a godly marriage isn't fun, isn't enjoyable, isn't feeling very fruitful. And I say feeling because God has his way of even taking those dark moments and making them fruitful. That's his promise to us. And that's part of the picture that we paint in marriage to to our community, to those that we know and and that we love. They get to watch us make it through. That's part of it. Because that's what we do with Christ. None of us have a perfect walk with Christ. Again, in this environment, sometimes we, we may, it may seem like it, but if we know each other enough, which is part of the goal of the local church, is for us to know each other enough that we actually see each other as we are and know each other as we are, so that we can encourage each other as we are and pray for each other as we are and succeed together as we are. Throwing each other back into the ring. You know, pity the the Christian woman who doesn't have a Christian friend that she can say, pray for me. I'm having a hard time tolerating my husband. Most women, when they share that with somebody, that, that, that woman says, well, God didn't mean for you to live like that. You just get out of that marriage. I did. And life's been great since. That's not the encouragement that she needs. She needs to be encouraged back into the ring. That's a terrible view of it, isn't it? But that's sometimes where it is. We get back in there 
praying, encouraging. The apostle, the apostle Peter even took it to an extreme level in his first letter where there were some, there were some Christian women came to Christ after they were married and their husbands didn't come to Christ. And it was rough. It was hard. Peter said, if they'll have you, stay with them. Maybe they'll come to know Christ through your witness. What? That's not what we hear. That, that's not the advice we get anymore. It's if you're not happy this moment, get out. God doesn't want you unhappy. If you believe that, I'll give you, the chal- I'll give you a challenge. Try to find that somewhere in the Bible. God lets his people get plenty unhappy. And it won't be hard to find those examples. But you'll never find a promise to any believer that once you believe, then all I care about now is that you are happy all the time. In fact, he keeps pointing to our joy in this life and our happiness later. That's what the scripture keeps keeps pointing to. To help us, as Bill uh, Thompson this morning said, rejoice. To help us rejoice even through difficulty. Isn't that what we're seeing the Thessalonians do in 2 Thessalonians? As their love for each other increases even through difficulty, the same thing happens in marriage. Don't give up on it because it's not fun. Don't give up on it because it's not feeling very fulfilling. Don't give up on it because it's not gratifying at this moment. Remember what God has given you. That your husband, that your wife, is part of the gift that he's given to you in marriage to do this great demonstration before your family, before your church family, before your community that you continue on in that relationship. God is glorified as we continue on. Making it through the the tough stuff. Forgiving each other because of God's forgiveness for us. Remember, that's the standard. When you ask yourself, "Can can I forgive her for that or can I forgive him for that? Just think for a few minutes about what God has forgiven you. And then think, yeah, he can can give me the strength. Because remember, as we sang this morning, not I, but Christ in me. He can give me the strength to do that. And don't misunderstand. I know that that Scripture is clear. There are are times, there are times when, when that infidelity just creates an environment where it can't continue. There are times when that violence creates an environment where it can't continue. But, and those are, those are real circumstances, those are real things that, that people have to get through, and they can and they do, in Christ. But we don't use those, those exceptions to rule the standards that we have for our marriages. And we don't give up easily. We don't give up this sacred portrait 
that God is painting through us, we don't give it up easily. We fight hard for it. And I use that word not in the violent sense, but in the sense of, of, of desire and determination and cost and priority. We fight for what God has given us in marriage, especially in Christian marriage. Because we're the ones that can demonstrate this relationship that God has with us better than anyone else can. And so, I'm so thankful that February 14th fell on a Sunday this year. So we could talk about this opportunity that we have. So that we could talk about even things that that are still in the future for us or things that have been in the past. And think of what God is doing and is going to do through our marriages. Young people, use this passage that we've looked at this morning to set your foundation for relationships. Remember, it's for a husband and a wife that God gives this great gift, and only to a husband and a wife. Reserve yourself. Reserve your heart. Reserve your body for your spouse, for your husband, for your wife. And those of us that aren't married and may never get married, remember the picture is for you as well. Be encouraged, be challenged by the marriages around you. Look at the pictures, look at the masterpieces that God is painting through marriages around you and be encouraged to find the faithfulness of God in your life and rest on his promises and enjoy the relationship that you have as a, as a servant of Christ as, a, as, the, as the, marriage that you, the marriages that you know demonstrate those aspects. And as you see an imperfect marriage, be thankful for the perfection of God and his ability to take imperfect things and make something fruitful, make something eternal out of them. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for the gift of love and ultimately for the gift of marital love. And the way that you've used that gift to cement all the societies of the history of the world, to give them some order, to give them some structure, to give them some fulfillment and gratification. As we study history and as we study our own culture and society, we see how it devolves and how it erodes. And how as as the family that you've created as a wonderful picture for all to see, as we allow that picture to be denigrated, then everything around us crumbles. Father, we're here this morning as we started this service off by saying that we were crowning you, that we were, that we were calling you our Lord of all. 
we're here this morning to recommit ourselves to biblical marriage, to the marriages that you've designed and that you've shown us in Scripture have this wonderful eternal purpose. Even though the relationship itself won't last for eternity, Father, it has eternal purposes. And we commit ourselves to these purposes this morning. Whatever our marital status and whatever the condition of our marriage, we pray that you would help us by the power of your spirit and by the strength of the body of Christ around us. Help us continue on through difficult days. Help us to overcome the stresses that we're facing, the illnesses, the financial struggles, and all the other things that we deal with. Help us to survive those things, remembering that we are gifts of God to one another. And that through Christ, who strengthens us, we can maintain these relationships. We can forgive each other. We can recover. And Father, for those who aren't married, remind them of the sacred picture that you paint through marriage. And help them to reserve that intimacy that that you've, that you've shown so clearly to be a gift to marriage. Help, help us all to remember that that is reserved only for that unique relationship. Regardless of what the rest of the world and society is telling us and what our bodies are telling us, remind us of the truth and help us to hold fast and help all of us to observe the Christian marriages around us, to be encouraged and to be challenged and to encourage and challenge each other in these relationships. We thank you for your love for us. Demonstrated most amazingly in Jesus dying on the cross for us while we were still sinners. And so, Father, for any who are here this morning, who still haven't received that forgiveness because they still don't believe that Jesus is the one. Father, help them. Encourage them. Give them the wisdom and the faith. Say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. In so doing, receive all of your blessings. The blessing of being able to live this life for your glory, even in marriage, and the blessing of receiving the gift of eternal life. Help them to see how much you love them. And we thank you for your love this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.